Welcome to Tools for Liberty, a program designed to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, and to offer your mind critical thinking and adventure. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor. I'm Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Anthony Allegria. Some things that we'll be discussing today are some positive things in our culture. Uh, the World Series, a new find in the Great Pyramid, and then we'll be talking about All Saints Day and the necessity to have truth in our culture. So again, a few positive things. The Houston Astros, they beat out the LA Dodgers, giving them their first victory in the World Series. And this is the first time that I've ever sat down and watched the, the World Series final. It was really good. It was really enjoyable. And beyond baseball itself, I hope this can be something which can bring a lot of good culture to Houston. I know this is the first time for them and there's been a lot of celebration going on, but I know earlier this year here in Nashville with what went on with the Predators, there was a lot of good things which really come out of that. So yeah, in the midst of all the different cultural tensions that we're experiencing in our world today, um, with some people upset or rightfully upset with Hollywood and the NFL and some other things that are happening, it's nice to just see something that is fun and enjoyable and people can get around uh, together with and just enjoy and experience. And yeah, it needs to be entertainment for entertainment's sake. Don't give too much power to things. I think that's been one of the problems that's really happened recently with all the scandals in Hollywood and even with the NFL. People have given too much power to these people to be role models. Yes, there was a time when they could have been good role models, although that may be debatable, but we don't need to give too much power to these people. They're, they're there for the sake of entertainment, and that that is a good thing. And there can be something which we can come together and have fun for it. It doesn't need to be a big political issue or a moral posturing or anything like that. Just let it be fun for fun's sake. And I hope the Houston Astros, that they can do that and bring some good, positive culture down there to Houston. I know they've had a lot of stuff go on this year, and I think it's just good. It's a good thing. Another exciting thing that's um, happened recently is a new discovery in the Great Pyramid in Egypt. They, It's been... Uh, this has been uh, the first major architectural discovery since the 1800s, and they have discovered this new passage. Yeah, and again, we don't know a lot about how they built the architecture of the, the pyramids. We, we have a general idea, but nobody really has a good understanding of how exactly they were built. And for the longest time, we thought we understood the architecture of these, these buildings, these giant monuments. But recently, they, they using a process of cosmic ray, muons, they discovered that there is another void inside of There's a chasm. And this is the first time we've learned something about the architecture of this archaeological site. And those both those words sound similar, but it's an architectural find as opposed to just an archaeological find. We've, we've learned something about its architecture. And that's really cool. However, the, the side of this that's really bland is we don't know exactly what it is. It may be another chamber, a passage, some sort of hallway. We don't know exactly what it is. But as of now, it has a really boring name. It's, it almost seems like they didn't try very hard in giving this, this new part of the, the pyramid a name, and it's called the, the Scan Pyramids Big Void, which is a bit depressing. It's almost underwhelming, the, the yes. name there. Yeah, they didn't really try to think that one through too long. Um, hopefully, as they continue to research and discover and dig into uh, what this void may be, that well, we can try to give it a, at least a little more interesting name. Yeah, I, I do hope that is the case. Of course, the, the Great Pyramid is Khufu's Pyramid. They could have called it like Khufu's Big Void or something like that. But for now, I guess this is what we're stuck with. Well, anyways, we'll be back here in a second to talk about All Saints Day.
Okay, so for our next topic, we are going to be talking about All Saints Day. So this past week, uh, November 1st was Wednesday. It is the celebration of, of All Saints Day. And if you're trying to also think, well, what about Halloween? Halloween started out as All Hallows Eve. So just like you have Christmas Eve before Christmas, you had a time before Saint All Saints Day. And it was known as All Hallows Eve, which then got shortened into Halloween. Anyways, All Saints Day is a celebration of all the saints. Uh, in the Catholic Church particularly is uh, one of the main traditions that follows this holiday. They have lots of people that they venerate, and so all of them have their own feast days and celebrations. And at some point, the Catholic Church decided, let's just kind of condense it all into one holiday where we can just celebrate all the saints, and there's saints to particular different areas, so one area of the world may celebrate slightly different than another area. But it is a celebration of these important people that have gone before. And one of the things that, you know, it only takes us a few seconds to, to throw out history, to not learn about things, and to say, oh, we, we, we live in a world that's highly secular now, we don't need to learn about saints in the past, or we may say, well, we're, we're a Protestant, we're a Nazarene, we're an insert denomination here, and the whole thing with saints doesn't matter to us. It takes us a few seconds to dismiss this, but it takes a lot of time for us to learn to appreciate things and to spend some time learning why we're at where we are in the world right now, what has brought us to this point in time and space, and learning about saints is something really important. Even getting down to the core concept of even what a saint is is something that's really important because a lot of this stuff really has shaped who we are. The, even the tradition of Halloween being the eve of it, which has sort of become bigger than All Saints Day in our culture. But understanding this and understanding the role of saints is something which is really important. It's easy to dismiss that. A lot of times people hear the word saint and they just they associate it, you know, this is high church language. This doesn't be practically relevant in our life. But we really do need to sit down and learn what a lot of this stuff means. Is there a place for sainthood in the Protestant church? And if there is, where would it be? All right, well, to answer that, we have to kind of first come to an understanding of what a saint is or who a saint is. So predominantly, if you're hearing this, you might be thinking, well, that's really Catholic. Or So we're going to talk just a little bit about that. So the Catholic Church, what they do is they establish these rules for who is considered a saint. And in that, they've kind of formed some different structures, and there's people who are venerated or remembered as these saints. However, if we look really at what the word means, it basically just means holy person. And if we understand holy, it is someone who um, is being transformed more and more into the image of God. And so this idea of being different, of being set apart, sanctified for this purpose. And what is this purpose? And that is to be um, like Christ. And here's the thing. There's really become two issues with this. One, the word saint is actually quite simple. It's like Amanda said, it's someone who is actualized as being Christ-like. Somebody who's actually living Christ-like, they're definitely a saint. A holy person is a saint. And it's something which in and of itself isn't that big of a deal. But the problem is, and this gets to the second issue, is really related to the first issue. It's something which is quite simple, though not a lot of people can necessarily do that. But at the same time, it is possible. But the other issue is, is where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line in saying someone is a saint and someone is not a saint? And this is really where we get where we're at in history. People have been really reluctant to say people are saints who who have been, and then they want to, to overuse the term and then say everybody's a saint just because they're, they're upright. And that's really, I think, where the Catholic Church got to the place where it's at now, is they wanted to, to clarify not everything in the world is, is saintly behavior, but these particular things are saints. And in that process, it's become something which has been elevated to a point where it's kind of lost its practical meaning. I think there is a role for bringing it back down to, to the practical, down-to-earth 
understanding of the world around us and saying, look, if you're living Christ-like and people are sincerely living Christ-like and they're actually getting to that behavior which matches Christ, well, that is what being a saint is all about. I still feel like the Catholic Church went a little too far with that. So we can look back into church history and we can see uh, some corruption that has happened with some of its traditions. Also that um, happened this past Tuesday was the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, which I know you guys did a section on um, earlier in the week. And we see Martin Luther had some issues with the church. And because of that, not only in his Reformation, but also the Catholic Church um, reforming within themselves, kind of looked and saw where have we taken these practices too far. We can also look in our world today and we see where Catholicism has mixed with other religions, like in the Caribbean with voodoo, where the idea of saints has really gone kind of beyond its original intention and I think even its right intention. Um, so there are times where we kind of have to say, okay, this is a little bit outside of orthodoxy, out of, you know, kind of right thought. But there is still some importance of looking at the people who have gone before us, whether they are from the Catholic tradition, Protestant, Eastern Orthodox, but the people who have followed God and have lent us these amazing examples of what it means to be holy. And I think there really is a place for that in the Protestant church, for us to be able to say, we value these people, we value their works, and it's something that we need to remember, we need to emulate, we need to have good role models in society. And actually having saints and being able to value people in the past and, and realizing that it's not just something that's so far away from us we can't interact with it. But having good role models is something which is, I think is important. And the role of the saint is something which unmistakably can be doing that. On All Saints Day is the time we set aside. We say we're going to remember the saints who come before us. There's something where we're, we can emulate and remember people and take that and apply it to our lives. And like Amanda said, there are times when it gets taken to its, its extremes. You see that with with, again, sometimes when it condenses with other other ideas in the world, like when you get the, the traditions and voodoo and things, which all mix in there, it goes to some sort of bad end. And typically in our world, the pathological conclusion of things will win if people aren't disciplined. And I think that's really what's happened with the idea of sainthood, is there is a bad conclusion of this taken to its extreme, and that's pretty much all we remember about it. We don't necessarily have the discipline to use it in practice and doing it in a healthy way. If we're going to do it, it seems to be taken to a far off extreme, which is just so far away, it, it misses its original purpose. It seems so different than uh, what we might expect. So, and also um, for us to kind of keep in mind when we're talking about saints is also our view of history. Um, it can be very easy for us to segment history as just kind of there and then, and, and occasionally we'll bring it into our world today and say, okay, well, A caused B, which caused C. Um, but in celebrating saints, we get a chance to participate in a great mystery. And that history somehow comes alive, even with us today. Earlier when we were talking about um, this, I, I talked about and mentioned communion. It is in celebrating uh, the sacrifice of our Christ that we share it not only with the people in the particular time and space in which we are doing it, but we also celebrate with all those who have gone before and all those who will come after us. And in the kingdom, we find this amazing mystery that time and space no longer gets to dictate how we participate um, and who we get to participate with. And so even though it's, like I said, it's a great mystery, I can't explain it to the end. I can't tell you how it works. And as someone who's not uh, super familiar with Catholicism, I couldn't tell you how they think of it. But I can tell you to an extent, um, saints and learning from them can be a great practice of the church, regardless of our tradition, because it calls us 
to think more than just ourselves in this particular time, in this particular spot, but as the church universal and who we can learn from. And a big part of that is proximity. We do tend to think of history being something in the past that's kind of closed. And when people have gone before us, we can't interact with them anymore. And even people who haven't come to be in the world yet, we think of these being really detached from us. But the thing about All Saints Day, and this is really where the connection comes to, to the idea of graves and, and the dead and people setting up tribute to people in the past, is that we can actually interact in proximity with people who have come before us. We can spend some time in the saints just understanding their lives, celebrating their lives, saying we want to be like these people. We're going to learn from the past. We're going to, to spend the time and energy to understand the value of things which have come before us. It's, again, it takes a few seconds to dismiss all of history, to say they're before us. You know, We enjoy the fun of, of Halloween, so we're not going to care about All Saints Day. But it does take dedication to say we're going to value people. We're going to value the things that people have done in the past and learn from it and, and realize that this can be relevant to us today. And that's one of the beautiful things about All Saints Day is it can take us to be in close proximity to interact with the saints, to learn from it, and become better people here and now. And on that, we'll be back in a moment. One of the things that can really bring our culture back away from the edge of chaos is if we as individuals can have minds centered around the concept of enlightenment. This idea that we ourselves can be free thinkers, who we can in, indulge in critical thinking and we can make our lives better by being personally responsible for truth is something that I think is so important. And when I say personal responsible for truth, I mean we ourselves are going to say we're not going to rely on other people to, to have truth handed down to us, but we ourselves, we want to understand truth in our world. Again, if we're talking about truth, it's important for me to articulate that the, the historical relevance of truth is the idea of reliable. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. But I want to start off this conversation with something that I've seen a few years back when in Ferguson, they had, in Ferguson, Missouri, there was riots and things going on. And they had just released from the grand jury this information that they weren't going to indict the police officer. And they were interviewing a, a lady who was a councilwoman. And they were asking her, is it appropriate to be rioting if you, you're going to be legally honest and intellectually honest? This is the new evidence which came out. This is what has happened. This has been well investigated and corroborated, is it appropriate to be writing? And her response is, we do not have to be legally or intellectually honest because we are angry. And it was at this point that I realized that something had changed in our culture. I was sitting at home with this hat when this happened. I was there with some, some family members, and we were watching this, and we realized that truth was no longer something which moved people to create policies for life whether it be as individuals or people from, even in public policy, people had moved away from the central idea that truth is, is how we, we shape our lives. And it's a very dangerous thing to remove truth from the, the public dialogue and to, to be more invested in things like emotions and, and how we feel at a given time and place than to be invested in truth. As Dylan hinted at earlier, the word truth, if we understand the history of the concept, means reliable. If something is true, then we can rely on it to function well in reality. If we are told something and it is true and we base our lives around it, it normally turns out to be pretty effective. Whereas if we're told something which is not reliable and we base our lives on it, then we become disconnected from reality. So in this conversation about truth, I think one of the most heartbreaking things is, especially in the example that was given earlier, 
if truth had been where people were orienting their lives, if they were trying to seek out what was reliable and really in the bigger picture, more than just what those particular circumstances were, but what was going to be reliable, what was um, kind of the essence of the situation, then they could have moved to a place, moved more towards healing. But by allowing kind of destructive behavior to be angry and then to not just be angry, but be violently angry, that it actually agitated. Um, so moving away from truth, we can see these clear examples of where more chaos happened. Instead of kind of reining in back from the chaos or seeing the suffering and learning how to heal and to move through it, we just see just more suffering, more pain, and more tragedies happening. And so this is why really it's important for us to have this conversation of where are we going to have kind of our ground of all being? Where is our foundation laid? And if we're moving away from truth, we're going to find ourselves disconnected from reality and really working productively in our world. Yeah, and again, the truth will set you free. This is a very practical thing. And in our modern world, people tend to, to think that truth and empirical fact are the exact same thing. And if I'm going to be using the language of empirical, I want to point out that this is not the word empire. Uh, they do look very similar, but the concepts are a bit different. Something which is an empirical fact is something which is reliable. Again, we can see the element of truth there, but it's reliable, but it's also verifiable and reproducible. That's a little bit different than the concept of truth, though you can't have empirical fact without truth. But truth itself is something which is able to transcend our awareness of the world. Because again, the world is definitely more complicated than we are aware of it. We ourselves as individuals are more complicated than we are aware of it. And we can find things in the world and rely on them more than we're necessarily able to understand them. And certainly, we're more able to rely on more things than we are to go out and verify and reproduce everything. Again, we only have so much time and energy and we can't do a closed study on every single thing that happens in our daily lives, but yet we can rely on them without being able to turn everything into to empirical fact. And it really is just important to, to articulate that, that there is a little bit different and we, we need to, to just understand that truth is reliable. And so with that, it, we really do see where truth transcends this empirical knowledge. So it's more than just kind of the pieces of information you can write down on a piece of paper after like an experiment or something like that. And not that that should, empirical facts should be disregarded. We have to put them in their right place and seeing and understanding that truth works even in our complex world where we may not be able to go back and reproduce or verify um, a particular thing. Um, but in this conversation, Dylan, you had a couple interesting stories you want yeah, to share. Yeah, so to, to just point out before I do, do share some stuff, it is important to realize empirical fact is very valuable. But we can't conflate truth with empirical fact because what you end up have happening is people say, well, we can't verify that or reproduce it, so we're just going to discard it like it's unreliable. That's not necessarily the case. A couple of interesting examples of this. Uh, I have a groundskeeper here at the church, and he oftentimes he, he calls and tells me the things that are going on. If somebody gets in out of the, the hospital, he'll call in and let me know. And again, we small talk on the phone. And it's not something where I remember every exact detail he says on the phone, much less the, the tone he may have or all the, the ways he phrases things. But he may call me one morning and, and tell me, somebody's home from the hospital, and that's a great piece of information. If I get in the car and drive to their house, I can rely on that information to be true. And if I go to that person's house, they're going to be there so I can go and visit them. However, I can't necessarily verify the conversation outside of pulling up the phone records and, and showing, well, we did have a conversation. I can't verify everything in it if I didn't record it. And, of course, nobody really records everything they do all day long. And I can't reproduce it. I can't 
be like, go back in time and do that again. We don't have the power to go back in time. We can't reproduce that. And again, it's something which isn't recorded, but yet we can still rely on it. And it's important to know that, that they're different things. Another quick example, here in Tennessee, where we're at, there's animals all over the road this time of year. You can, you can go out and see people who have hit deers and they've hit deer and they've, they've had damage to their car. You see people who run over squirrels and things like this all the time this time of year. Even though these things happen, you can go and you can, you can hit a, a deer. I had a family member who ran over a deer the other day. And just because that happened, we may not be able to go in time and reproduce exactly how it happened. We can estimate it. We can somewhat verify it, though if the deer is not killed and they run off, we really can't totally figure out all the details of it, though it's reliable that it's there. And you can go and look at the car and see the damage, and you can tell for sure that it's happened. So that which is reliable can transcend what we can write down on paper. It's just important to keep that in mind. Truth or reliability can transcend our awareness and certainly empirical verifiability. And when people, instead of investing in truth, but they invest in emotional things and they invest in how they are at that time and place, they can end up in bad places because, again, as Amanda said earlier, you don't have the tools for resolution if you're not incorporating truth into your, your world. You can't really have empirical fact unless you, you have truth involved in it. If it's not reliable, well, then you can't reproduce it and you can't verify it and you can't rely on it in the future. It's just important for us to, to realize the, the relevance of, of truth in our lives. And we have a, a quote from, from G.K. Chesterton. It's again from the book Orthodoxy, I think is worth sharing in the midst of this. The man who tries to think without proper first principles goes mad. The man who thinks at the wrong end. And so again, we see that when we pursue truth, when we have the discipline to look at our situations and decide what is actually happening or what is going on, um, what are the reasons and the rationales, we can find that we have the tools to move towards a place of liberty and freedom, that we can actually be constructive and provide resolutions to some of the um, tragedies and other evils in our world that we can stand up against them because we understand what is going on and how to appropriately move, appropriately move to a place of healing. And so this is just something that we have to continue to pursue and be disciplined in it because it's very easy just to go off of what we may think is happening. All right. And with that, we'll be back in a moment. All right, so now we're going to wrap things up for today. And I just wanted to start off by saying thank you to all the people who do view us. I realize we, we're asking people to give us the time to sit down and, and watch the program we have. We do sincerely appreciate it. Um, we enjoy being able to, to put this together. It's something where we learn a lot doing it. But we also hope that we can give you something meaningful. And I just wanted to take a few seconds and say we do appreciate you giving us your time to sit down and, and watch what we, we produce every week. Yeah, so we're thankful for all the different um, people who are following us on Facebook or uh, SoundCloud or um, we're on iTunes now. All these different mediums. We're also on Twitter uh, individually. And so we just encourage you to continue to uh, watch. And again, we are so grateful that you have dedicated some of your time out of your busy day to watch this. And with that being said, we are real people. Do send us stuff. Please message us. Whatever you'd like to do. If there's some particular topic you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hold back. We're here for that. 
Do we have any last advice? All right, the last advice I have that I want to wrap up this program is, is don't invest in things which are not worth emotional investment in. Here recently, we've seen a lot of people talk up about the NFL. It's had a bit of a golf fall from grace. But I look at this, and I almost have a moment where I sit back and say, we, we gave too much power to the NFL to start with. We gave too much power to people who are celebrities to be role models, and that really shouldn't have happened to start with when people do things that aren't great. Even if you go back to some of the stuff where, where the guy's punching his, his girlfriend or wife in the elevator, we gave too much power to these people. They're not good role models. Don't emotionally invest in things which aren't worth investing into. Right, and we can look at, there's lots of examples in Hollywood, but as we were talking about, we kind of picked out on a couple of them, that, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with football, there's nothing wrong with watching TV or listening to music, but when we decide that these things or these people are somehow like the end all uh, to kind of our essence or who our character should be, we're going to be disappointed. The, the end is always going to be kind of chaos. Uh, one of the people we had discussed was um, Miley Cyrus. I remember, I think... I was either a senior in high school or maybe a freshman in college, but around that time, and I had younger cousins who were really invested in her and enjoyed her music and her show, and she did this concert where she performed on something that was moving, so there was kind of a pole beside her to keep her balanced, and, and so people were freaking out because now Miley Cyrus was pole dancing, and of course, later on in her career, I think a couple years later, she would do more um, exaggerated things, uh, but at that point, uh, just people were, were getting very upset over this person who they thought was just kind of this good, wholesome girl now doing these very um, not wholesome things. And it just seemed kind of odd to me. Um, I really wasn't invested in Miley Cyrus, but just to be that kind of invested in somebody that you didn't know that was an actress, a caricature on TV, a performer, um, really who the normal person would not know who she really was. So it just seemed kind of odd we were dumbfounded by this behavior. Yeah, and, and I like how you used the word earlier, caricature, because the whole thing with Hannah Montana was the whole deal with Hannah Montana was a caricature of Myrie Sias's real life. It's it's a show about somebody who's both a singer and then a real-life person. It, it's a caricature of who she was. But then when it exposed that the real person is kind of not the best role model, people get all sorts of, of wrecked over it. Another person we had mentioned earlier, Katy Perry, there was the whole scandal with something she had worn on Sesame Street. And when I just look at that situation, my thoughts are, we should not be giving that much power to Katy Perry being a role model for children. To start with, find people in your life that are valuable people to be role models for your kids. Be a role model for your kids yourself if you have kids. We ourselves, we don't need to give power to to big media, to, to external forces to be role models for children and even role models for us ourselves. Don't give that much power to the NFL. Don't give that much power to Hollywood because in the end, they are bound to, to come out in some sort of chaos. We need to, instead of valuing this sort of aesthetics of celebrity, let's instead value truth and quality. We want people who are oriented towards truth, people who are quality people, who have good merits in their life. That's who we want to orient towards, and that's who we need for good role models. And on that, I thank you for watching. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, please share our content. The biggest thing you can do to help support us right now is just share our content, word of mouth, whether it be taking a link and sending it somewhere, we would appreciate that greatly. And on that note, please have a blessed day.